listening to the CIPD podcast series. Welcome to the CIPD podcast. We've looked closely at the CIPD's next generation HR work in recent podcasts. Now, though, we want to look in a bit more detail at what it actually takes to be an HR leader. What are practitioners currently doing and what must they be doing in the future to have a shot at the top job? We're going to find out what excellent HR leadership looks like, hear from a handful of HR leaders at the top of their game on how they got there and get advice for those with high ambitions. So what exactly do HR leaders of the future need that they don't already have? Imelda Walsh spent 10 years as HR director at Sainsbury's. I think future HR leaders will still need to do many of the things that I would certainly feel were important in my career, but with more oomph. So I think understanding the business will remain absolutely critical for those who want to reach the highest positions. For a number of years, HR and marketing have been getting closer together, and I think HR will need to become as good as marketeers at employee insight and what that should drive HR to recommend the business the company does as marketeers have become on understanding customers and consumers. Now for me and and my career I've always wanted to be at the heart of the business and I think the HR people who'll be successful and make a difference in the future will always be at the heart of the business team and that's the best way to make your impact not to the side but I think HR people will always have to um, prod and challenge and sometimes be the uncomfortable voice in the room. So insight driven HR and the HR profession map have to be a priority for future HR leaders but what are the behaviours that are key to successful leadership? Lee Sears founded Bridge and led the CIPD's Next Generation HR Research. We encourage people to do a self-assessment against the new HR profession map, looking at the behaviours. And in every sector, at every level, the least effective competence was curiosity, the kind of behaviour that was least indexed in the whole of the HR profession. And I think if there's kind of, you know, one seminal difference that we need to start making is having an HR function that's deeply curious about the business that they're in, the context in which that's taking place, and what's really happening around here. And if you then have a a leadership cadre who are thinking about what's going on rather than just being busy kind of doing what they've always done, you start to get a function that can think its way into the future rather than just kind of get busy doing what it's always done slightly more effectively. Well, that's what you need, but of course that's only part of the picture. The challenge then is to get the experience that will lead you up the ladder. The route into the HR profession is a big subject in itself. Should you do your training and then go into HR, or should you train on the job? How many people are coming into HR from other areas of the business, and how many are coming in direct? We've asked a few senior experts how they did it. First of all, Philippa Lamb talked to Hayley Tatum. She's the UK Operations Personnel Director for Tesco. I started um, on the tills in Tesco, which, if I'm honest, when I look back, has taught me loads that I've drawn on year after year after year. So working very closely with customers, understanding what it's like to do a job like that day in, day out is really important. It now helps me with you know, job design, with training, communication. You know, endlessly, I, I go back and, and uh, think about my experiences. So I started through, through, um, through stores, worked my way up to become a personnel manager in stores, and then ultimately went to work in Tesco head office in personnel. But along the road, I've worked as an operator, I've worked in IT, I've run our produce 
business um, and I've worked and run 20 hypermarkets for Tesco. See, this is the bit that interests me because you must have chosen to make all that happen. I don't imagine these opportunities just presented themselves. So you took a clear decision that you wanted to work actively right across the business. Yeah, I, I saw that lots of decisions that I was trying to, to take in HR, um, I really was having to go out to the business and ask questions and observe. And then I thought really to, to have first-hand experience of really having a role where I manage these, these individuals and my own performance is measured through KPIs. So I've, I, I have the stress, the, the contribution and, and to be honest, some of the, some of the um, accolades for, for achievement first-hand has made a big difference to me. How important is that credibility that you have with your commercial colleagues to doing the job that you now do within HR? I think the fact that I've actually been out um, as a line manager, particularly running a group of stores, has given me immense credibility with my colleagues. I can speak from live experience. I have um, colleagues in the business that used to work for me who have now developed themselves and are working as um, partners to me, um, running business units. And We'll laugh and joke about, do you remember the day this happened? And, and using those real-life experiences, the relationships that we forged together back then, um, just really continues to, to help me in the job that I do today. Haley had a pretty clear plan from early on, but that's not the case for every successful HR leader. Siobhan Sheridan is HR Director at Job Centre Plus, having been HR Director at DEFRA before that. Philippa asked her about her own career path. Did you have a clear strategy from day one? <laughs> I wish I could say yes. <laughs> but no. No, I didn't. Um, having, having left school at, at 16 and, and joined retail banking uh, in, my, in my local bank branch, um, I didn't have a, a, a strategy for what it was I wanted to do with my career at all. So um, I, I kind of found my way into HR. And uh, then I think there were a series of a series of points at which I realised that potentially I could do more than I was doing. Um, so moving from being a professional in one area to having a boss who encouraged me to broaden myself and to consider some other things. Um, and I, and it's, it's just sort of developed um, almost organically, I suppose, um, just by taking those opportunities and listening to the people around me saying, actually, you could do something that's a bit more or a bit different. Despite different approaches, Haley and Siobhan have both had varied careers and have risen to senior positions. But if you're currently planning a career in HR, what can we learn from this? Is there an obvious path that we should plot? Or are there days when you could walk into an HR department and logically climb from bottom to top, gone forever? I think... It's not entirely gone, but I would say, I would stress, certainly my own experience, is um, work outside of HR gives you fully, fully a more rewarding experience when you are back in HR and also has certainly allowed me better knowledge of, of the business, more connection and more um, engagement with my colleagues, but, but largely has allowed me to jump through layers of the HR structure because um, I've learned things along the way in a different way and gained credibility um, with, with business leaders as I've done so. Okay, so you'd say it's accelerated the pace of your career progression yeah, by going definitely. out back in again definitely uh, along the way I've worked continued to work with the CIPD I've um, done a master's degree in HR so I've kept my hand in but actually I did all of that whilst I was not working in the HR function 
Philippa Lamb put it to Lee Sears. The path to leadership is much less rigid than it used to be, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I, you know, the whole idea that, you know, an HR professional has to start at the kind of bottom and work their way up over, you know, 20 years to the top. This, you know, this whole way of thinking about HR, I think, kind of explodes that myth at some level. It doesn't mean that you can't chart a kind of valuable HR career for life, but equally, you know, the kind of most, often the most inquisitive and savvy business leaders who've, you know, had nothing to do with HR kind of come to HR late in life. They have those kind of moments where they realise that much that we need to do can't be done unless we really understand how to get these people in this place to make it really happen. And they can be some of the best HR leaders. So multiple paths, multiple routes of entry is just going to be what our future looks like. So it's a much more exciting prospect, isn't it, for perhaps people coming into the profession than it was in the past? I think so. I mean, it, that idea that, you know, HR has its kind of, you know, its people heritage and um, there's a box in which you sit, I, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, in many ways, it's just going to be, you know, the ultimate kind of applied business discipline. It's going to sit right on the interface, I think, between kind of people, culture, consulting and change. Imelda Walsh has had very broad cross-sector experience, something that's certainly given her valuable insight. I started life in the FMCG world um, with, it's now Diageo, in my time it was Grand Met. I moved from there into um, Coca-Cola and Schweppes Beverages, uh, which at the time was a a joint venture between Coca-Cola and Cadbury Schweppes, and then into banking, which was a very deliberate movement from banking into um, Sainsbury's. And how did you acquire your leadership skills along the way, just by absorbing them, or were you directly taught, mentored, trained? How did it work? I had some... The, 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 I'm, I'm so old now. There, were, there, there <laughs> weren't... People don't really talk about mentors necessarily when I was starting off, but actually looking back, I was lucky enough to work alongside people who gave me real-time feedback on what I did that worked and what I did that was going to be less helpful. Um, in particular, they were very good at ironing out... Um, Uh, perhaps um, more forceful sides of my character that might have been endearing in a graduate trainee but were definitely unhelpful if you were going to be uh, a a future HR director. Okay, so diplomatic skills. Yes. (laughs) Probably still more work to do there. (laughs) You're listening to the CIPD podcast series. Leadership has been a hot topic for years now, that there aren't enough, that we're facing a shortage, that the talent pipeline isn't generating a sustainable number of future leaders. And the same is true within the HR industry. So with that in mind, the CIPD, working with Bridge, have launched the Senior HR Leaders Development Programme in order to take positive action and build a movement for change. It began in September and it'll last a year. We need to find a way of building a, a progressive pool of leaders within, you know, kind of the UK and beyond, who over the next decade will be able to kind of take these concepts and bring them to life in reality. So we've been looking to build a, a cohort of, we, so far in our first programme, we have 21 of the, you know, I guess these exemplar HR leaders, who are really from three to five years away from being a global HR director. And we've kind of, we've got our hands around them for a year. Um, and we're essentially, we're creating just a very a deep um, experience, which is enabling them to look at developing their own capacity to be a real insight-led leader, looking at the extent to which the function that, you know, their, their organisation and their function, to what extent really is, is HR an insight-led discipline within our organisation. And then together, over the course of the year, they're going to be really looking at embedding some of these new ideas and challenging the way in which the profession thinks. 
I was particularly interested in the fact that the course really focuses on the development of insight in organisations, which I think is really critical for us as an HR profession. Siobhan Sheridan is one of the HR directors on the Leadership Programme, and she talked to Philippa Lamb about the experience so far. That combined with um, bringing together a group of people who are at you know, more or less the same stage in their careers as I am, um, thinking about the same kinds of issues, but from very, very different perspectives and a very broad range of organisations. Um, and I think the research that CIPD have done into next generation HR and what's going to be required from the profession moving forward, I was really interested to see that um, played out through a development programme for leaders. So very, very excited to be on the programme. Tell me what sort of things they're going to be doing. So they've, um, there are four modules over the course of the year that are joined up by a whole series of there's you know, kind of eight coaching calls. They have expert kind of senior mentors who will be supporting them through the programme. And they'll be grounding this all around taking um, some of the biggest organisational challenges that they face and kind of putting them through the sort of insight lens. Um, the first module, we wanted to find a way of basically trying to take the concept out of the kind of head and put it in the real world. So what we did is we we worked with um, NACRO, the National Association for Care and Rehabilitation of Offenders, who have a pretty profound organisational challenge at the moment. The marketplace is changing hugely. Services are really profoundly fragmented. And what we did is we got our uh, kind of 21 delegates, basically, to have a deep immersion experience with NACRO over the course of the week, trying to provide unique and powerful breakthrough insight, help NACRO focus on a small number of things that will make a massive difference. I think it was both a fabulous learning experience in terms of the way that it was structured, but also for me coming at it from a public sector perspective, um, ended up being a real demonstration, if you like, of big society in action, um, watching uh, employers engaging with a societal problem of the type that NACRO is seeking to deal with. Because this is about finding work for ex-offenders. Absolutely, yeah. And um, you know, really seeing um, the light bulbs go on with some pretty major employers about how how they could actually contribute um, to you know, solving what is a pretty big problem for us all. So we had them kind of working in prisons. We've had them in kind of centres for you know, resettlement and education. We've had them um, exploring with all the kind of key strategic stakeholders in Ministry of Justice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, working a particular what we call the kind of insights hourglass. There's a process of been working trying to develop their capacity to really become much more insight-led. And then they, over the course of the week, they spent time constructing both a series of kind of you know critical recommendations and some kind of prototype solutions for NACRO, much of which they're going to be working with them on over the course of hopefully the next year. It sounds like quite a confronting experience. You went into prisons, I gather. We did, yes, I did. I, w- I went into one of the prisons and um, it was both a confronting experience but also um, a really uplifting experience, seeing um, the work that goes on in there and um, hearing about the hopes, really, of uh, the people who were there you know, some of whom had just made you know some of the mistakes in life that there, but for the grace of God, go we. I'm I'm afraid. Um, very very hopeful for their for their lives and for their futures. As Lee says, the people on this program are pretty senior, three to five years away from global HR leadership, and used to being in charge. In some ways, the challenge was learning to work again as a team of equals. I think first and foremost, I mean, it was, it was summed up beautifully by one of the delegates. Actually, they came along and they said, "Well, in truth." Having looked at some of the kind of pre-read and the data prior to the kind of NACRO um, experience, I actually thought I knew what the answer was kind of turning up on day one. 
And the ability to actually press the pause button and unlearn many of the things that you kind of rely on in order to be successful, so as you can get a load of stuff done very quickly. If you're not careful, that gets right in the way of you developing new insight into an environment which you, you, know, you think you understand really well. So the ability to kind of move from just being a sort of human doing to being a really thoughtful, inquisitive practitioner, I think, has been one of the biggest shifts for, you know, that people are just starting to make. Um, and just realizing that actually there's going to be a big shift in the kind of whole volume value thing. I'm going to make a bigger contribution by doing less. And all I'm going to be doing is focusing on the things that matter the most, rather than just kind of meeting the multiple demands of kind of massive organizations and the complexity that they, you know, they engage with daily. The course lasts a year, off and on. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping to take out of it at the end of it? Um, for me, it's about um, seeking to take my thinking to the next level, really, and to look at some very, very different ways in which HR can contribute in the organisations in which we work. Um, that, and I hope to take away a really good network of um, colleagues and peers and mentors that, that I can turn to in the future as well. Starting at the bottom is something everyone has to do. But if Haley could give her younger self some advice, what would it be? I think don't be blinkered in how to develop a career path. Keep your mind really open so that you, you learn as your business um, perhaps diversifies, goes into different areas. Be available, be flexible in your mind in terms of what you will do, who you might have the opportunity to work with and what each role will really give you in the long run. Sometimes you'll start work at five o'clock in the morning, it's cold and you are wearing something that you really wish you weren't and thinking, (laughs) why am I doing this? This isn't where I really saw my career um, when I started off. But, But now I look back and think those are the experiences that have really shaped who I am and really make it, make me think about how I deliver my job today. First and foremost, I would say, you know, make sure that the people that you're working with know that that's the aspiration that you have. I think sometimes talent goes unnoticed um, as a result of the fact that people don't speak up about what it is they're interested in. That's certainly something I know I've had to do on a few occasions uh, through my career. Um, And I think look for the people who you feel are the role models of the kind of leader that you would want to be um, and get close to those people. I've, I've, I've found that... Um, senior people, um, people at all levels in organisations are, are really generous with their time when you go to them to say, actually, I'm really interested in progressing and I think that you could help me. Um, you know, can we do a bit of work together or can we do some mentoring together? Um, and I think experiences are really, really vital uh, in that development. So, yes, it's somewhat about, um, uh, you know, learning, knowledge, development. But I think one of the great things about the way the CIPD um, uh you know, uh, qualifications are going is that we're becoming much more about experiences and I think that's really vital. And finally, from Imelda Walsh, a tip on how to get to the top. I think it will become harder and harder to do the most senior jobs in HR if you haven't had a general management uh, experience exposure uh, relatively early in your career. Um, I think that leadership has now become so critical. There will always be uh, career opportunities for those who want to stay um, exclusively in the HR profession. I I think my point is it may exclude them uh, getting to the highest HR director roles, but there will be lots of opportunities to do more specialist jobs. But if you're sitting there now in your early 20s 
and you have an aspiration to be the HR director of a business um, and you want to sit around the top management table, I think that you'll need to have demonstrated in your career not only uh, that you're technically proficient in, in the issues that you're responsible for, but you have uh, experienced running teams, running departments, managing a P&L, and that will be important too. Fascinating insight there from some senior HRs who have risen to the very top of their profession. The CIPD's HR Profession Map, a self-assessment tool, can help you work out where you are in your career. So for this and further information on the next generation HR research, please look in our show notes. You can find them at cipd.co.uk slash podcast. Next month, we bring together the unmissable insight of John Philpott, Jackie Orme and some senior HR directors from different sectors who will be casting an eye across the economy and the HR industry to see what 2011 is likely to bring.